Super 32 is in the books, folks, which means it's time to start planning for the Spartan Combat Nationals coming back to Jacksonville, Florida this April 8th through the 10th. Russell Beach, Folkstyle, Freestyle, and Greco at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. It's just trying to be authentic, but quite frankly, it is about the, the kids. It's about the coaches. It's about the administration. They're going to be around long after I'm gone. When I decide to retire, if I get fired, who knows? It'll still be here. So why make it about me and about what I'm doing when without these kids that are grinding, without these coaches that put hours and hours taken away from their family, without the parents that are just going to all these tournaments across the country, it's about them. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you, as always, from the great city, Chicago IL, birthplace of the baby back ribs. And today, folks... We have a wrestling analyst for the ACC Network and ESPN. It's Rock Harrison. Rock wrestled at Virginia back in his heyday and was a two-time Maryland State champion as well. This conversation shows how much passion Rock has for wrestling and calling wrestling matches, so I really hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our friend I.am.rvb on the gram an avid Oklahoma State Cowboy fan, and a listener of this show. So thank you very much. A quick caveat, folks. My home Wi-Fi was not functioning properly during this interview. So about halfway through, I had to cut out a little bit of the interview. So apologies. We're trying to get it fixed. On with the show. Rock, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I'm kind of humbled. Head of all the people in the wrestling world. You want to talk to you, you feel like I have something to share. So I'm quite humble. Thank you for inviting me. I knew I'd, I'd love talking to you just after seeing your passion for calling matches. That match last <laughs> year with, I think it was NC State and Virginia Tech, maybe the 125 yes. pound match. Was that it? Yes. That was completely it. And it's a, one of these things where uh, COVID kind of uh, had that moment for me because uh, ESPN wouldn't allow us to travel. So we had to do everything from our basement. And so it was kind of that quandary where I wanted to get into it, but my wife was upstairs, so I couldn't be but so loud. So it was one of those crazy scenarios. And so when I tell people about it, they're like, what were you doing? I was like, I was watching a match just like any other wrestling fan does. So when you see somebody want to sprawl, you sprawl with them. 
when they shoot a high crotch, you shoot one with them. And it just so happened that it was just a culmination of events and it just popped for me. So it was, uh, I give all the credit to the wrestlers. Without the wrestlers, there's nothing to talk about. So they were the ones and I was glad to be in the moment. And uh, the producers were like, just be yourself. And so that's how I am when I'm watching stuff that I'm not broadcasting. It was cool. That is so awesome. It's even crazier to think that that was in your basement. I really had no idea where you were at based on the where you were calling it from. Right, right. It was a basement. And uh, luckily for me, we had our basement remodeled last summer. So before everything went crazy with COVID, we just said, look, we need to get the basement done. So it worked out very well for us. And uh, COVID has been tough for many, many people. I myself, I, I was hit with COVID pretty bad um, uh, early last year. Well, actually this year. But COVID was rough for, for many people. But for me, it was kind of like that breakout moment because if it wasn't for COVID, the camera wouldn't have been on me to see that. So it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, looking at a positive scenario in a very challenging time for many people. So will you be in person for the for the dual meets this year? Ryan, I'm, I hope so, you know, but uh, I have to talk to one of the producers today. It's like, look, y'all got to get me. I can't, I can't do this at home again. I might get a divorce. So she's got to get me out the house. So. I'm hoping for that one. And of course, the ACC championships, I was able to do uh, the Big 12 championships. I want to apologize to the Big 12 fans because I wasn't at my A game. And that's when I found out that I had COVID. I didn't know why I wasn't just as sharp. And I ended up the next day, I went to the hospital for 12 days, was on a ventilator for three. It was rough. What? And I was supposed to do the NCAA. Yeah, yeah, it was. Ventilator. It was rough. I was ventilated. I was, I was close to checking out, but the Lord is gracious. And I was able to make it through. So I was supposed to do the NCAAs. ESPN wanted me to be a part of it. And they were um, they were completely understanding. They get a very kind shout out on there. But uh, I was in a ventilator for, for three days. It was it was rough. So I missed out on the NCAAs. So um, so far, they, they want me to come back. When I come back, come to it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be awesome to see you on the call this year. But, man, when you were on the ventilator, were you, like, conscious of what was going on? Or were you, were you damn near out of it? Uh, no. I was I was out of it. So I went in there and it was um I was just dragging after the, the Big 12 championships. I came upstairs and I crashed on our living room couch. And my wife's like, look, you, you're all right. And then the next day I didn't go in. And so I went to the ER and my brother-in-law, who's a physician, he, he had to really like walk me to the ER. Thought it was dehydration, but my liver functions were crazy, white blood cells. And so they were preemptive and put me on a ventilator because so much was going on that it was hard for me to breathe. And so I had a tube in my mouth. And one of the crazy things I didn't learn was that you have to lay on eight hours on one side of your body and 16 hours on the other side of the body. And during that time, because I was laying on my chest, the uh, actually ventilators start to split my lip. So you know, I kind of have a little scar there, but it's just a reminder every time I speak, I'm thinking of the goodness of the Lord. So it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I didn't want to bring it out, you know, because at the end of the NCAAs, I didn't want to tweet like I was just in COVID because now it's self-seeking and it's all about the guys. They had a great season. And so I kind of kept it quiet. And just, you know, people know they know, but I didn't want it to be about me. You know, I was on COVID. I was so sick. Woe is me. Give me some likes. Get out of here. It was about the guys. They had a great season, 15 matches. They made it work, so they get all the attention. So I'm hopefully to stay healthy and, you know, have a great season. I love it, man. Well, I can't, like I said, can't wait to see you or hear you on the calls, I should say. And man, when you talk about the guys, your world is the, traditionally the ACC is really your conference. You mentioned you were at the Big 12s and you've done some things with, or doing some things with ESPN, but you're an ACC guy. What's it been like to watch the explosion of wrestling in that conference over the past 15 years? Awesome. 
so good because we're known as the basketball conference, rightfully so, you know? And then our soccer and field hockey is really good as well. But I'm telling you, what makes the ACC so good? Number one, administration. Without a strong administration on any collegiate level, it's not going to happen. That's the first. But number two, you've got to have great wrestlers. I mean, it's just great wrestlers. Great wrestlers and great coaches absolutely perform. So you have a great administration, great wrestlers, and performance. But then secondly, you've got to have a fan base. And the fan base has been really, really good for the ACCs. And I tell you what, a recruiting piece that the ACC has over other schools, except for the West Coast, is location. Sucking weight sucks. I did it in my life. It's the worst thing ever in life. I hated it. I still hate it. But imagine being able to suck weight when it's 70 degrees outside in February. You know, imagine when it's not snowing and you have to walk to practice and then take your boots off. ACC has a very good geographical location, excluding Pittsburgh. No, no disrespect, but you know, it's Pittsburgh. But when you look at North Carolina, you know, you look at other cities, uh, other places, it's pretty cool. So it's it's uh, really a big recruiting advantage to be in a nice warm weather. So hopefully we'll get Georgia or Florida to have a, a NCAA Division One team. Who wouldn't want to wrestle in Florida? I mean, that's the best place to. I mean, the weather is great. I mean, losing weight on the sand, sweating, and you know, everybody's <laughs> looking at you. It'd be awesome. So I mean, Florida's got to get a wrestling team. No question. And their high school wrestling is really good in Florida. Absolutely. I mean, the Southeast is getting strong. It really started, in my opinion, it started with Peter Yates from Virginia Tech, with Georgia guy. And he really came on the scene, scene and I believe was a two-time All-American. And then from there, people were like, hey, Georgia's pretty good. And then Georgia, now you're getting Tennessee. And now you're spreading out. North Carolina showing that we have some strength along the way. TJ Dudley from Nebraska was from South Carolina. So you have these teams that are actually pretty good, and they have the advantage because they could really wrestle all year round. And not hate it because of weather. So right. I think um, the ACC and the Southeast has done a very good job of just publicizing wrestling. And Virginia is obviously a part of that. When you were growing up, was the Great Bridge tradition that the Martins have started well underway? That's a good question because I'm originally from Baltimore. But gotcha. I heard about the Granby system and things of that nature. So I've heard about it. And, of course, I, I wrestled at the University of Virginia. So we were aware that that area was good. And we had some guys to uh, come in from that uh, Virginia Beach area that we wanted to get in. So, yes, we were always aware of it, but it's just the respect wasn't there for certain areas. But, you know, you start becoming multi-time All-Americans, they start to recognize some geographic areas. And that goes to the coaches. The coaches and the club scene has been fantastic. The Mm. club scene is I've talked to many coaches, and they're saying, yeah, we talked to high school coaches, but we rather talk to the club coach. You know, they're, they're the ones that really seen them all year round. Do they really like it? Do they really want to go to practice? So the club scene has been very, very strong for many, many teams, especially for individuals. Yeah. It's that's obviously the real separator between the States that are, you know, producing D one, all Americans national champs every year is the strength of the Academy and club scene and shout out to a, to a friend of mine down in Atlanta, Atlanta area, Atlanta area, excuse me. Uh, my man Cliff with Compound Wrestling, he's doing a fantastic yes. job. Yes, and he's out there. He's uh, pretty uh, strong in his uh, social media. So I, I like to hear guys that are putting good stuff out there. And I really appreciate um, guys that are pushing about the team. You're not like, what are we doing? So what about the guys? So when you started making it centric about the wrestlers, that's what gets other kids to come in because kids are kind of self-centered nowadays. So 
might as well roll with it and let us know, hey, we're really trying to push you all. And I love it when college coaches, I love it when club coaches, high school coaches, all about the kids, all about that. And that's what we try to do in our broadcast. It's about the wrestlers. I mean, who cares about Rock? Rock's going to be gone at some point. It's about the wrestlers and the team and the ACC and the Big Ten, the Big 12, and so on. That's awesome. You have that perspective. Is that something a coach gave you or is that something you just came to on your own over years of broadcasting? I, I like to say it's kind of how I think, you know, I, it's, um, I don't like uh, the attention that I'm getting right now. It's just trying to be authentic, but quite frankly, it is about the, the kids. It's about the coaches, it's about the administration. They're going to be around long after I'm gone. When I decide to retire, if I get fired, who knows, it'll still be here. So, why make it about me and about what I'm doing when without these kids that are grinding, without these coaches that put hours and hours taking away from their family, without the parents that are just going to all these tournaments across the country, it's about them. Who cares about me? It doesn't, it, it's ridiculous, you know? So I, I just think it's the right way uh, to, to consider approaching uh, wrestling, but I could be wrong, but it works for me. No, it's evident in your broadcast and it's fun to listen to. And when you, when you talk about broadcasting in general, you know, I've done a lot of podcast episodes, only three or four broadcast events, and it is tough, man. It is really, it is really a change up. So when you're getting ready for a meet, are you, what's your like week of routine? Are you getting interviews with the guys? Are you, are you prepping all week? Like what walk us through that leading up to match day? Uh, great question. Uh, and to your point, it is very difficult and, uh, I've heard people say, I would love to do what you do. And you say, I, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And like, yeah, what are you just talking about wrestling? It's a lot of work. You know, first, um, I want to be prepared, you know, so I read the rule book at least once a week and the case book. I want to know the rules better than anyone else. So I won't be caught. Like, I didn't know about that rule. I got to know the rules. Number two, we talk to the coaches, talk to the coaches and see what's going on, get their pulse on what they really feel is important. You do your reading. But uh, talking to the coaches, you know, they they are transparent. And uh, this year we're going to try and talk to some wrestlers as well. So from the beginning of the week, first of all, I watch wrestling. So it's not like it's work. Like I got to watch this match. Like I probably watch this match. Now I'm trying to look for new little nuances. You know, does he slide his knees when he puts his knees down first to get set? You know, does he lean toward a ride to go to, uh, I don't know, cross body ride? So little things you start to look at along the way. But I want to be prepared. I don't want to be caught out of bounds where I just don't know what's happening. Or I say, I don't know, fellas. And that's where I think the preparation comes in. So I would say before a dual meet, uh, just two teams, I probably put in 10 hours of just preparation. Seems a lot, but I don't want to be embarrassed. And our wrestling fans, they deserve it. They deserve it. They don't, they know a fraud when they see a fraud. They know someone that just came up there and they don't know, no disrespect, but we've seen some broadcasts when we're like, they, they've never seen a wrestling match. They call it a circle. What is yeah. this about? So, so we know a fraud, and that's one thing I want to do is remain authentic so that when they see that, like, he knows what he's talking about. But the biggest challenge, and I'm going on a little bit, but the biggest challenge is that my responsibility as a broadcaster is to relate to everyone. I have to respect the hardcore wrestling fans. you got to respect them. They want to know why you're rolling the fingers as opposed to the wrist. What's the difference there? What is, what's going on here? you got to respect them. Number two. You've got to look at the people that may have wrestled in the high school, did a little bit in JV, that they haven't seen it in a match where they're looking at college matches like, wow, it's three minutes of the first period. They know it, but they don't really know it. I got to appeal to them. So I can't be too high level. 
and you have to be entertaining to some point because wrestling is it can be complicated but it's not more complicated than football football has 11 people on one side 11 on the other side seven referees another down wrestling has two wrestlers and one official it's not that complicated but i have to make it appealing to someone they're like you know what let me give it another shot and we've got to move that needle otherwise if we just want to target the hardcore wrestlers and the hardcore fans we're not going to grow the sport so I have to be appealing. So sometimes they people say, like, wow, you kind of explain that. I mean, duh, isn't that a sit-out? Well, to you, because I've been wrestling for 22 years. But someone that doesn't know what a sit-out is from stand-up, then you have to understand, oh, I, I get it. i got to reach them or else we're not going to go to sport. Long answer. So when you're looking at that, that, that 10 hours of preparation, how much of is it watching old matches that guys have wrestled versus – kind of talking to the guys and doing reading type of type of preparation. I use a, a prime example that many people know is Hayden Hyde. He's been Love wrestling him. at Anthony State forever. I don't need to watch too much more of his matches. I, it's just, it's not a good use of my time, but there might be a freshman or a guy that might be coming into a lineup. I got to watch them a little more, maybe to talk to some people around like, okay, what does this guy do? And I'll talk to the coaches. Coaches, what does this guy don't do? Look, in high school, he used to do that and that. Okay, so let me pay attention to that. So when it comes to preparation, some teams I may not have to pay attention to as much. NC State, they have a very much of a senior, senior-laden team. Do I need to spend that much time? I've seen most of them throughout their whole career. Are they going to really change their style or their nuances? Not really, but I need to pay attention to it. But it's the newer guys that may not have, I may not have seen as much. They may not have made it to the Nationals. They may have had a tough a redshirt year. That's where I have to do the digging from. But I tell you what, coaches are very good resources and they'll tell you the truth. They'll say, look, this guy, he's very good at this. He's a funk guy. He's a guy that he'll go hard for the first period. But after that, we're, we're, we're just holding our fingers that they'll hang in that match. And your broadcast partner, a lot of the times is Sean Kenny. What have you learned from him over the years? He's a professional. He is official. He is the one when I first got brought into, um, I did digital and that was Seven, eight years ago, when I first did my digital match, I was I was nervous, but I was so excited. I was like, you're going to pay me to talk about wrestling? This is crazy. You're paying me to talk about wrestling? And you fly me out to the I was, I was so excited. But I didn't realize that we did every single match from the beginning to the finals. So here's a problem there. So you start off with the preliminary matches, and then you go to the semifinals, and you go to consolations. And I, was, I wasn't tired. I was still on an adrenaline rush. But, man, I had to use the bathroom. So you start talking and your mouth gets dry. You're like, I need some water. They're like, oh my goodness, I got to go to the bathroom, but I can't go to the bathroom. So they would give us like a four minute break. And I do like a 40 yard dash to the bathroom and <laughs> I let it all out, man. And so, so I, I remember I had to pace myself with water. You need water because you talk a lot. But then again, you just got to do it. So Sean Kenny has been great. And one of the things that he said that I take to heart as I, as I continue to expand in my, my um, broadcasting world, he said, Man, everybody's not a dick by tell. Everybody wants to come onto the scene and, and yell and scream. It's like you got to build the moment. You got to talk to them. But when the moment is there, you be there for the moment. And that is one of the biggest things that I, I've learned. And anyone that's interested in getting into the broadcasting business, be authentic. But then talk to people like you're talking to them. And when the moment is there, they're like, wow, I'm there with you. But if you're there the whole time, you're like, okay, just talk to me. Don't yell. You can't get excited when it's a one-one overtime match for two heavyweights that really aren't doing anything. You can't be like, oh, that's a great push right there. No, it wasn't. It sucked. It was boring. So let's not talk about it. Let's figure out something to talk about. So that's what it is. So be authentic and talk about it. But 
uh, in the same light, it's uh, it's been a great joy to work with him. And he knows his wrestling. Sean really knows it because he does Iowa high school wrestling on the radio. Imagine calling a match on the radio. that He sees it, but he has to talk to people that can't see it. They don't know what's going on. He is legit. He is really, really good. And he's doing other sports as well, right? He's a professional, man. <laughs> he was doing um, the uh, Oklahoma, I think it was TCU match. And then next week, he's in Oslo doing Greco. I don't even know Greco. He knows Greco. Greco and freestyle. And then he'll come back and do some other match. He'll does, he does track. He does. He's a professional. But uh, the good, good guys like Sean, um, if you get a play-by-play, they think they can play-by-play a chess match. They're like, look, I just set it up for an analyst to go into it. So I just paint the picture and let them talk about it. That's what a good play-by-play does. So talk to me about that, the different roles, because I've, I never knew they were actually different roles until recently. So you're a, an analyst, and, and he's play-by-play. So what's the difference? Play-by-play is like setting the table. Um, he sets the table. So let's use a table. There's a plate, it's forks, knife, your spoons up there. He's the one that sets it up. And then when the person starts to eat, I'm saying, okay, he's cutting that. What he's doing, he's about to lift that up to put it in his mouth. So he just sets the table and hands it off. That's what it does. It's kind of like a philosophy of do it and duck. And so when you have a good play-by-play person, they are just, look, I want to get out the way as quickly as possible. And quite frankly, the play-by-plays are the ones that really do the digging. They know the background, and I have to know it. But he's the one that talks about this person from this state. He came from here. I'm the one that just breaks it down for the person to understand it as a hardcore and as a casual viewer. But play by play sets it up. It's the analyst that breaks it down. And we look at it yesterday. It was uh, Nance and Romo. Does Romo talk about what's going third down? No, he comes in when it's boom. Stop. Okay, let me tell you what happened. This guy's about to run a flap. It's going to be a circle route. Great. And then Nance sets it up. Okay, now we're coming up. It's just like that. So as you hear it, you'll start to be able to say who was the play by play and who was the analyst. If you can't determine the two, that broadcast is kind of sketchy. And, and I bet now just doing what you do, you can't even listen to a broadcast without breaking it down like that and, and thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> I, um, I, I enjoy wrestling. I try not to pay too much attention to the broadcasters. I listen to them and they say good stuff. Great. But just like anyone else, if, if someone's not bringing value, you kind of tune them out. And if they're bringing value, I'll listen to them. If they're not bringing value, then I, I'll, I'll mute it and, and do it. But it's no disrespect. But if you don't bring value as an analyst, what are you doing? You know, if I can do the same thing and there's and that's why knowing the rule book and knowing everything preparing is so important because there are some really hardcore wrestling fans that want to criticize you. But then when they're like, oh, I, I didn't know that rule. I didn't know what happens when it's the you know second injury timeout at the beginning of the overtime. What happens then? Oh, so. You want to be able to say like, okay, I, and you, you know, wrestling fans like, oh, I respect that guy. Yeah, he, he, I respect it. He, he knows what <laughs> That's what they do. So, you know, I'm trying to get that way. The fact that you read the rule book once a week is amazing to me. I've never heard of someone doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, I I respect the fans. The fans need to have someone that understands the rule book. We don't have. I was like, Gene Satori that that's on the NFL. We don't have anyone that, that are coming and just talking you know that's me you know so I, I have to be that guy that comes in and explains it and it helped you know being an official uh for high school as well as a d1 it, it helped being an official to understand what's going through their head you know what are they looking for and so a lot of times people get so angry like what are they doing and i try to bring out what he's looking for right there this is what they're seeing and therefore like oh i didn't think about that 
Or, you know, that's got to be stalling. Well, no, let's, let's think about that. Or they'll say, um, that's his fifth shot. I mean, it was a half shot. It wasn't a real shot. Did he actually commit? That's a, that's where we say, okay, that's a commit. So uh, being an official has been very, very helpful. There's thousands of wrestlers out there that can talk about wrestling. But, you know, can you come from the official standpoint and the wrestling standpoint? You had those two together. It makes it for an interesting broadcast. Now, if we get to a point where we can hire someone, then maybe I'll read a book once a year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about officiating, I know last year, and maybe it was the year before as well, when they changed the definition of stalling and we started seeing some kind of crazy calls around stalling. I mean, in, under your understanding, has that been updated or is it still in place as it has been in the past year or two? So I think there's been a greater emphasis this year in making sure that you call stalling and not worry about just in case he's out of bounds. They know the rules by now. It's not it's the first year that this happened. It's either going to be action or it's going to be a push out or he pulled him out. Something is going to happen. And I think that's one of the emphasis that has been made this time around to call stalling as if you're not worried about the out of bounds. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. 100%. Yeah, because that's where it just doesn't, you just saw some calls where you're like, man, I just don't, you know, it, it, most wrestling fans can call stalling pretty, uh, pretty fairly unless you're, uh, unless you're from Iowa. No, I'm just kidding. I, I have a lot of family in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I did want to ask you about that, just given your officiating background, because I'm sure it's, it's, it's harder for the reps when there's ambiguity there. I would say that uh, for the officials, one thing that people want to stall in the first period, but first they're, they're kind of feeling each other out. So um, you have to start to understand, well, is this a person that kind of, you know, just kind of is a counter wrestler or is this one guy is just a bull? He'll just pull, but he really doesn't do anything. So the first period, I'm not saying you can't call stalling, but you got to realize it's like the first date. You know, you're starting to learn people. Well, how to, you know, and the referee is learning, they're learning each other unless they wrestle, you know, seven times already and they know each other. And that makes it even harder because they know each other. But I think from a wrestling point and standpoint, as a fan, understand it's the first time. You can't expect stalling the first 10 seconds. Oh, he's backing up. That stall backing up is not stalling. You know, if a person is doing something, yeah, and yes, but 10 seconds, I mean, it, it's 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 difficult. Now, I'm not to say that all officials are, you know, that good. There's some officials that are, are just not good, but then they are good. And if they make 99 calls right, it's that one call that will eat away at them. And they want to get it right. They don't want to be the bad guy. They want to make sure that they are official in the sense that they are calling it right down the middle. But I tell you what, from an official, you can do everything right. But it's that 150-50 call that will drive you nuts. And um, I, I get it. I get it. So I try to be honest about their performance, but I, I do have a feel for what they, they're doing. And I talk to them. You know, I want everybody to, to feel that they can share with me what's, what's going through their mind. I'll talk to them about you know, matches that they've had. So what about this guy? What have you seen? This guy, he does this, and we're, we, we know what he does. Thank you. I'll keep that in the broadcast. Man, you're picking everyone's brain. You know everything that's happening on the ground that week, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> look, I respect the fan base. You, you wrestling fans, y'all deserve it. You want to have somebody that, that does the legwork and, and make sure that, you know, you all have a good broadcast. Um, we're not going to beat out football. We're not going to beat out basketball. We're just not. You know, we're just not well-known. But can we be the third most popular collegiate sport? Can we be better than the other sports outside of football and basketball? I believe so, especially the ACC. I really think we can. And I give credit to um, 
ESPN and ACC Network, they are really pulling forward. And um, they have a, they have Packer and Durham. It's like their morning show. Those guys really like wrestling. I'm going to try and get them to come to the Virginia Tech-NC State match because they really like it. So uh, they probably laugh at me all the time, but at least it's entertaining. Like, come on back. So they had me come back while I was on a Disney vacation with my wife and my kid. And um, and they were like, can you talk about wrestling? I was like, yes, I can talk about wrestling. My wife was like, oh, God, honey. But I uh, <laughs> stayed in bed. So I got to be ready for it because you fans, you all deserve it. You deserve to have someone that's prepared. That doesn't take the suggestion Highland. This is all I do. When I'm talking, all I do, this is what I do. This, I'm not doing another sport. This is wrestling is what I do. So I want the fans to have a great experience and then tell someone else, hey, come and watch this. You'll understand it. Don't worry about it. You know, Sean and Rock, they'll, they'll explain it. You'll be fine. And the wrestlers do the rest. Mission accomplished so far, my friend. It's been really awesome just to hear you at the duel, hear you during the duels. And as I said, just getting into it myself, it's, you know, like you, the more you get into something, the less you know about it. And the more, uh, you know, more the people who are doing it really well stick out to you. And, and that's definitely you and your team. Um, and so when you look ahead to this season's schedule, I know the ACC schedule is out. What are some big matches you're looking forward to, to the fans that are maybe in the Midwest and aren't super keen on that, on that, on the uh, schedule? I, I spend too much time doing this, you know, not just looking at the matches, but actually looking at the, the lineups and, and do my fake match. Every wrestling fan does it. I do the same thing. Well, what about this? How do you think that? Is? So, um, without a shadow of a doubt, Virginia Tech at NC State is, is the match, and it's going to start our season. And I'm the season for the ACC Network has not come out the schedule, but it's going to be on the, on the network. That match is going to be absolutely nuts. I mean, NC State will have it there. Their fans will be ready. Virginia Tech, um, their team is almost about a year away before they are really, really good. And this is NC State's strongest team. So that is a marquee match. So who won last year when they got together? Uh, between NC State and Virginia Tech? Yeah. Virginia Tech. That was the last second takedown with Sam Latona taking out Camacho at the end. And that's when it was, you know, two, two, two. So they won it to the last match and the back points. And so now it's going to be at NC State and Virginia Tech. will be ready to show that, you know, hey, we didn't get lucky. And, of course, NC State is going to say we have our strongest team that we've had and we want to take it to them. And uh, the fans, the fans are pretty passionate, you know, on, on Twitter. They said their things that, hey, you know, you all aren't this, you all that. So it's all innocent. But these guys, they are they're into it. I can't wait to get there. And ESPN better let me come down. Not nah, I'm going to show up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that that takedown was for the dual meet on the, with the dual meet on the line. Not just that, Brian. It was a takedown, but it was the back points because it came down to the match point score. And without those two swipes, Virginia Tech wouldn't have won it. So it wasn't just a takedown to tie it, but he kept him on his back, Sam Antonio, for two swipes. There's a two near fall, and that was a two point. So when coaches say every point matters, keep wrestling, yeah, it really does, especially in that scenario. Yeah, it's like, man, so those are two of the top programs. But like you said, UNC. They have some monster coaches. Virginia, I love what's going on at Virginia. Uh, Pitt, obviously, always a power. Duke's going through a little bit of a rough patch, but we know they've had some guys before. So I just hope uh, – go ahead. No, no, let me tell you something about Duke. Uh, Duke, they still have the fine silvers. They have Josh at 149 and Matt, fine silver at 174. I mean, these guys are all-American caliber guys, blood round guys that they've been in the past. And so what Coach Lanham does at Duke is phenomenal because he has no – 
athletic scholarships. None. Zero. Zero. I know what? your mouth dropped. How do you do that? How do you how do you None. perform in, in a tight conference with no athletic scholarships and still have guys that are competing? I don't know what they're doing at Duke, but I tip my hat off to Duke. No athletic scholarships for wrestling? Get out of here. You're not supposed to compete, but yet they do it every single so yes. Don't, don't, you know, thumb your nose at it, Duke. They're doing a whole lot with very, very limited resources. And I'm glad you told me that because it's easy to see a record from afar and, and you kind of wonder like, how the heck, like, are those guys even trying? Like what's going on? But you don't know what's really going on a lot of the times. And that's a perfect example. Zero scholarships is stunning to me. And, oh man, that's, yep. I mean, like you said, tip the hat to them because they, they have some legit coaches too. Coach yep. Erickson's in there, yep. you know, a, a real legend at the heavyweight yep. division. And um, not just that, but they have uh, guys that are, are committed and, guys that are committed inside the program. So not only it is, I don't think there's any disagreement that, you know, from an academic standpoint, Duke is, you know, the hardest school to get into in the ACC. Now people say, well, you got to consider this. Let's, let's call it what it is. Duke is very, very difficult. So you got to find someone to come in to pay with no athletic scholarships. And that's a tough Ooh. situation, tough situation. So Man. people respect Duke, respect Duke. Absolutely. And you mentioned it, private institution, how much it costs to go to Duke must be astronomical. And uh, gosh, that's incredible that they're doing that. No, I had no idea. Nope. No idea. That's where the digging comes from, you know, digging and asking questions. And so that's why, you know, as a fan, they may say, come on now. But then when they hear that, they're like, well, let me, let me step back now. You know, that's, that's pretty darn good to, you know, beat this conference and still have all Americans with no athletic scholarships for wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Now, I know you're a, a man in the know in the sports world. Have you heard any rumblings that West Virginia might slip on over to the ACC should the Big 12 collapse in smoke? So this is what I uh, rumblings heard, but also not, I'm not going to say it's private information, but it's kind of public. But the everything is really predicated on football. We understand that football generates the money. The ACC has two conferences. Um, and two divisions, rather. And it's an even number of teams. So if you were to bring in West Virginia, it throws off that synergy, so to speak. So you need to bring in two teams. So you just can't bring in one team. You have to bring in two teams. So clearly, everybody wants to get Notre Dame. Notre Dame is independent. Will oh, they ever, wow. Will they ever go into a conference? Maybe, maybe not. But from a financial standpoint, the numbers showed last year they would have made more money in the ACC as a um, football team than on their own, but they're independent. They're going to do. So my point with West Virginia is that it can't just be West Virginia. It has to be West Virginia and West Virginia. And so in order to find that, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, certainly if, if Notre Dame comes to uh, the ACC as a full fledged conference, then yes, that opens it up for perhaps West Virginia from a geographical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. And from a wrestling standpoint, I would love it because that's just good wrestling. Yeah. That's going to be right there. And the fans in West Virginia, bless their hearts, but it's got a stink to go all the way across the country just to go watch your team wrestle or play volleyball or basketball. But when you have it from a geographical standpoint, it can save money. So to answer that question, that Rumblings on, on, on West Virginia, I haven't heard anything, but I do know for sure it's based upon the divisions in football. And if you bring in one team, you got to bring another to keep it balanced. And the crazy thing is that Notre Dame's contract with NBC is 
it's so ludicrous that it's hard for them to join a conference because they have their own network, basically. That's true. And I thought the same thing until I was educated about the numbers. I didn't see the numbers, right. but I was educated. Like, look, if they were in the conference last year, it would have been much more advantageous from a football standpoint. And as a matter of fact, the AD or the head of the school mentioned it. They said, look, if we're looking from just dollars and cents, it would make sense to go to the ACC. But it's their mm-hmm. philosophy to be independent. I mean, they, they are the only football team that's pretty much on NBC for, for college. I mean, that just sounds every good. game, it, it, every game, every game, every, every game. game not <laughs> it, it, It's pretty good stuff there. So um, I would love for West Virginia to come in, but I I'm apprehensive because I don't know what other two teams and Notre Dame is, is, yeah. is the crown jewel. Now is Notre Dame basketball in the ACC yep. or are they independent? Oh, they are. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's all about football, football, football does it. And, uh, and look, I uh, I love college football, and I know how important football is for these for these schools. So um, we can be mad about football for many things. Title Nine football just makes it horrible for Title Nine for us. I get it. But without football revenue, bruh, we may not have a wrestling program. So let football, you know, do that thing. I mean, I understand that if you take them out of the equation, Title Nine might be a little easier to to manage. But without football, I mean, every wrestling coach knows how important football is. It's, it's unbelievable how important it is. And so let's keep cheering for them. They pay the bills. I'm not lying about that. That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> it really is. And, like, let's be real. I mean, in terms of a pure entertainment standpoint, I love watching football almost as much as I like wrestling. Like, I get up for them just not as much, but, man, it's pretty darn close. I, I love college football. I, I love, love, love college football. And I was always thought if I was five inches taller, I would be D one. I was like, I'm, I'm going to put, you know, five foot five. <laughs> I'm, I'm the water boy. <laughs> so, so I got to pick the wrestling. Uh, but yes, college football is great. I mean, you get a hundred thousand fans there that are just, you know, into it. I mean, it, it's like a tribal following. It is really like a tribal following, you know, but I think, um, I think college football is a great product. And this it was not this past week, but two weeks ago, they had a fantastic, um, Saturday uh, sports and when Alabama lost and then uh, Ole Miss and I think it was uh, Arkansas. I can't remember. I, Somebody, Iowa beat Penn State Iowa. in a barn burner. Yep, it was just yeah. a great week from from twelve o'clock. Oklahoma, excuse me, yeah, Oklahoma versus Texas. That was a great, great. I mean, they had a great day. So I, I have nothing bad to say about football. It's good. It's awesome and. You know, but as as we get to mid football season, right about now, the weather's starting to change here in Chicago. We know it's getting close to wrestling season. That's right. Practice started last week, and right. dual meets are going to be happening soon. Open tournaments, it's going to be awesome. As we as we get ready to sign off here, my friend, any last words or any messages to the fans and in, in wrestling world out there as we get ready to head off into this season? <laughs> messages. I I, I just uh, I think the wrestling fans are awesome. Uh, they're, they're good. Um, you all deserve the best. You all deserve the best. So uh, it's my responsibility as an analyst, as Sean, as a play-by-play, to make sure that you all have a product that that is good to watch for the hardcore, and we're doing our best. And um, give give us some leeway because a lot of times they don't, people don't understand what's going on when you have the headsets on. You have different people talking to you as well as talking to the match, and it's not as easy as you think. They should have known that. It's lots of things are happening, and uh, one thing that I want to say. Um, Quint Kesnick, people give him a lot of grief. I mean, they, they just quit. He's da 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 da. It is very hard to interview someone coming off of a match. 
I didn't want. Oh, yeah. It was the worst situation. So they're like, he asked such dumb questions. He talked to a guy who just went eight minutes in overtime who is 19 years old, probably hasn't really been on television, and they're walking and you try to figure it out, and you can't ask the same question that you asked the other person. It is very, very difficult. And so I've learned that firsthand, and uh, I still yell at the TV when I watch the Ravens play. And I'm sure people yell at me, what is he talking about? He's biased. I mean, we try to make it out for everybody. It's not like we're here for one team or the other team. We try to make it. But the rest of the fans are great. You all deserve the best. I appreciate that that they trust me in some sort to uh, bring it out to you. And please watch wrestling. Watch it. Watch the ACC Network Friday Night Duels. We will make sure that ESPN and we are in ESPN's ear to get more matches. We want more matches. We want out-of-conference matches. We keep having great matches. And if we keep getting more viewership, then we'll get more people to really say, hey, we need to pay attention to this wrestling thing. So I'm on board. And I really appreciate the support the fans have given me. It's, it's been fun. And uh, it's, uh, it's incredible I get paid to do this. Let's make a push for the ACC Network this year, folks. Oh, Definitely. We're going to – I love those two programs, NC State and Virginia Tech. Both coaches have been on here. And the Hydley boys just went on the show today. It was our Monday episode, Trenton. Hayden, we're on the podcast. So a lot of love for those programs. And that'll definitely be one we highlight. And, and, uh, you know, as, as more come across that, that you're really looking forward to, you know, please let us know. And we'll, we'll be sure to, to post any and all updates regarding ACC wrestling right here on the podcast. Hey, look, I appreciate what you do. I've listened to your broadcast I mean, podcast. I say broadcast podcast, you know, people <laughs> out there that are saying good things. And, um, uh, one of the things I want to tip my hat to you and credit is that you uh, don't try to dominate the conversation. And it's a selfless act or someone says, I need to let them know. I know this too, but you know, you speak and let the person speak. And I want to make sure that you know that you're doing a good job and that support. And that's what wrestling, they want to hear about the wrestlers and uh, try to do it enough. So keep it up. We appreciate it, you know, and uh, wrestling fans, you deserve the best. And we're trying to give you the best. Amen. Thank you again, Rock Harrison. You have a great day, my friend. And thank you very much for the kind words. Thank you, Ryan. Take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Change My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.